Indiana in the national spotlight, with lawmakers making more changes to the abortion bill, days after the vice president and thousands of protesters came to the state house. But what will lawmakers do in the weeks and months ahead? We'll hear from lawmakers on both sides and talk about the potential local impact with Marion County Prosecutor Ryan Mears and his opponent, Cindy Carrasco. Plus, recession or no recession? We'll hear from Senator Todd Young and talk with White House economic advisor Jared Bernstein. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks so much for joining us this week. The state Senate meeting Saturday to vote on the state's controversial abortion bill, a near total ban on abortion. All this in a week that saw Indiana in the national spotlight amidst crowded protests, a visit from the VP, and hours-long hearings Thursday night with Republicans debating whether or not to include exceptions for rape and incest. Our Kristen Escow was there. Lawmakers did approve some changes to the proposed abortion ban, but one of the biggest amendments failed Thursday night. It would have eliminated the rape and incest exceptions from the ban. As the debate over abortion continues at the State House, Governor Eric Holcomb acknowledges it's hard to predict whether the Indiana House and Senate will be able to agree on new restrictions by the end of the special session. Can they come together? I'm, I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not um, going to go out on that limb. Uh, but what I will say is there is this is relevant to the circumstance, but there's a lot of time left. Debate in the Senate ran more than five hours Thursday night. An amendment to remove the rape and incest exceptions from the bill failed as Republicans were divided. If this is your daughter or your granddaughter, are you willing to say to her, sorry, but you're going to deliver that baby? And I think it's important for us to not give in and subject the child to a death sentence. Among the changes lawmakers have approved, the Indiana Attorney General would be allowed to prosecute violations when the county prosecutor refuses. And the required affidavit for rape and incest survivors would need to be notarized. Still, both supporters of abortion rights and anti-abortion activists have concerns. Indiana Right to Life opposes the bill, arguing the mother's health exception and other provisions leave too many loopholes. A statement reads in part, to anyone who might claim this is an abortion ban, we did not wait 50 years for the full reversal of Roe versus Wade for this. At the State House, I'm Kristen Escal. All right, Kristen, thanks. What a week it's been. Starting Monday morning, as the special session got started, Vice President Kamala Harris was here meeting with Democratic lawmakers to discuss their fight against this legislation. An individual should be able to choose based on their personal beliefs and the dictates of their faith, but the government should not be telling an individual what to do, especially as it relates to one of the most intimate and personal decisions a woman could make. And as the session got started on Monday, thousands of protesters descended on the State House, abortion rights supporters calling for lawmakers to reject Senate Bill 1. If women are really determined to get an abortion, they're going to get one, and it's just going to harm the women overall. It's not going to protect any women at all or be pro-life because it's just going to hurt in the long run. Anti-abortion supporters also showed up in big numbers, particularly on Tuesday, calling for a full ban on abortions in the state. We voted for them to do certain things. They need to just do it. They need to not just put their finger in there and see which way the wind's blowing or who's shouting the loudest. 
During the hearing, we first got a hint that more amendments could be coming. One of the criticisms of the bill has been the lack of criminal penalties, and so I think you're going to see amendments in regard to that. And sure enough, the next day we did. It's time for us to wage war on this situation. It's time for Hoosiers to get out and vote and put the supermajority in the place where they need to be. Because until we do so, this type, these types of tactics will happen. All right, all of that leading up to the hearing Thursday, then the vote on Saturday. We're joined right now by Casey Smith from the Indiana Capitol Chronicle after a very busy week. Casey, a lot of moving pieces here this weekend with the Senate convening on Saturday to vote. And as we record this segment today ahead of that vote, it's pretty clear whether it's here in the special session or whether this doesn't ultimately happen until next session. This has been pretty complicated terrain for Republican lawmakers. It's been really tense. We had a marathon night, Thursday night, um, in the Senate where Senate Bill 1, the abortion restricting bill, uh, was taken up on second reads with amendments. Um, there were 62 amendments that were filed. We only heard about half of those. Um, Republicans uh, ultimately didn't bring many of theirs up, but there was one very contentious one brought uh, by Senator Mike Young, a Republican from Indianapolis. Uh, he sought to uh, repeal or strip uh, the exception in the bill right now that allows for abortions um, in instances of, of rape or incest. Um, we really saw how fractured uh, the Republican caucus is on this right now. It was very passionate um, among lawmakers. It ended up yeah. uh, failing, right. uh, but... That's that's been one of the that was the highlight of, of Thursday night. I would yeah, say. a contentious fight there Thursday involving Senator Michael Young, who, who trying to get those exceptions out of the bill. And as you reported this past week, he even decided he, he was no longer going to caucus with the Republicans because of this contentious debate over this legislation. Yeah, the uh, Capitol Chronicle, we did obtain uh, Mike Young's letter that he sent um, to uh, leadership in, in the Senate in which he said that uh, he didn't agree with the direction that the, the Republican caucus was going uh, with the abortion bill. He didn't think it was strict enough. Um, again, one of the things he brought up yesterday in his amendment, he didn't think that um, the exception for rape and incest uh, should exist in the bill. Um, the fact that he did say and that he has um, stepped down from meeting with the caucus is what allowed him to bring the bill forward in the first place last night, even though it was, you know, unlikely that the caucus had um, consensus consensus on that's what they on, on you know, supporting that. So um, definitely the fact yeah. that um, a longtime senator um, did sit down from the caucus over this is just another sign that it's it's incredibly heated. It's It's been complicated, no doubt. Indiana Right to Life also saying they don't approve the bill without those exceptions. Casey Smith from the Capitol Chronicle, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Well, this week, we're also talking with the candidates for Marion County prosecutors. The abortion issue has been a big topic in that race this year, with Marion County prosecutor Ryan Mears again saying he would choose not to prosecute abortion cases within Marion County. That topic coming up again with new amendments added to the bill Thursday to deal with that very issue. We're still waiting to see exactly what kind of changes might still be made to the bill, but the latest current version that was amended by the Senate on Thursday night did have a clause that would give the attorney general concurrent prosecutorial power to file charges in cases where local prosecutors like yourself might decide not to file charges. What's your reaction to that move? 
Well, I thought it was an interesting decision. You know, this law is going to be challenged in federal court. Uh, there's a number of constitutional implications, implications to this bill, and they're just adding more legal challenges to this issue. The Marion County Prosecutor's Office is, a is not a statutory office, it's a constitutional office, and they're trying to use statutes to usurp constitutional authority. Would that change your approach if this law is enacted in this fashion? No. No, I mean, we're going to continue to make sure that we do the right thing and also make sure that the actions that we take reflect the priorities of the people that we serve in the community. Does that mean not prosecuting any cases? Would that be your approach? Would it be low on the priority list? It would be very low on the priority list. And, and again, you know, I think our job is to really focus on what the community wants us to focus on. Prosecutor Mears has said uh, he won't take any enforcement action at the county level. Uh, depending on how that law looks and what kind of enforcement measures are or aren't available in a new law on abortion, what kind of action would you take? Well, the fact of the matter is that the conversations are still ongoing with the legislature. And the fact remains that the prosecutor of the county is not an entity that makes the laws. And we have a prosecutor that categorically decides to ignore laws. That is not the role of the prosecutor. The prosecutor is in charge of enforcing the laws. Now what I would do is I absolutely would enforce the law on a case-by-case -case basis. That's the role and that's what, why we need a new prosecutor. You'd prosecute abortion clinics if that were part of the state law that, that allowed prosecutors to do so? I would make, I would use prosecutorial discretion to make decisions that make sense in that certain circumstance. It's absolutely time for a change and that's exactly what I'm hearing from people across the county. Crime is taking over Indianapolis and it's out of control. We've had record homicides, we've had shootings, we've had stabbings. Violence is overtaking our city. What can the prosecutor's office do to change that in your opinion? Accountability. We have a prosecutor that fails to hold repeat violent offenders accountable. And we need to have somebody in that office that is going to set the tone that there is going to be accountability for criminals in our city. What's your response to that? We've made tremendous progress in, uh, here in Marion County. If you look at our homicide conviction numbers, they've never been higher. Uh, if you look at our trial numbers, we've never convicted more people. Uh, but we also understand that we can't incarcerate our way out of this problem. And we've made significant strides in the community in terms of building that level of trust and making sure that the community has trust in the criminal justice system and the prosecutor's office. All right, meantime, a new poll out this week from ARW Strategies shows Prosecutor Mears with a 46-27 lead over Cindy Carrasco, though 28% of those polled were still undecided. That same poll had some interesting findings in the race for Secretary of State, with Democratic candidate Destiny Wells with a slim lead over Diego Morales, 31-28 within the margin of error. The Libertarian candidate was 7%, still 34% undecided. We spoke with the Republican and Democratic Party chairs about that race last week. Some Democrats have suggested that they think the Secretary of State's race is winnable for Democrats this year. Do you have any concerns about your party's candidate being able to get the job done amidst some of the controversies that he's faced? No, we've, we've got uh, a great uh, team, uh, Republicans top to bottom, and we're going to win up and down the ticket like we have in the past. Do you think that's a winnable race for Democrats? I think it is. Destiny Wells is a great candidate. Um, she is a veteran. She's served in the Army for 19 years. She's an attorney. Um, she's here in Indianapolis. Um, she's putting together a great race. The key there is last month, the Republicans uh, nominated Diego Morales. And this is a guy for the viewers that are watching who uh, was fired from the Secretary of State's office twice, twice under two different secretaries of state. 
and now he is the nominee to be Secretary of State. He's disputed some of the specific yeah, details there. But, but I think most Hoosiers would say if you were fired to let go from a job twice, maybe the same place where you work, going back to be, hey, I want to run the office, I want to be the CEO, probably not going to get hired, and I hope that Hoosiers see that. All right, more of that interview from last week on our website. Up next, we're talking more about the abortion debate with Indiana in the national spotlight. We'll talk with our panel about this week's developments up next. And coming up later, recession or no recession? We'll have the latest economic numbers straight ahead. All right, as we said earlier, the Senate voting Saturday on the abortion bill. Ahead of that vote, I spoke with our panel about the week that was at the Statehouse. All right, with us today on Zoom, Laura Wilson, Adam Wren, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, Greg Weaver joining us this week. Let's start with you, Indy Professor Dr. Laura Wilson. Laura, we're the first state to take up new legislation like this in a special session post-Dobbs. And certainly the national spotlight was very much on Indiana this past week. Oh, it absolutely was. And it helps in many ways when you have Vice President Kamala Harris visit on Monday. And then, of course, the special session begin. I think you see in the Indiana General Assembly, not just how complicated this issue is, but even how impassioned people are when you have 62 proposed amendments. And I realize they weren't all heard, but 62, that's, that's more people than are in the Senate. So it just tells you how important this is. And I think a lot of people nationally are paying attention both to Indiana, also Kansas, which, of course, is one of the many states grappling with this issue, but looking to see what we plan on doing with the policy next. Yeah, let's bring in Politico's Adam Wren. Adam, it, it was quite a hearing Thursday night there with lawmakers debating whether to include or get rid of exceptions for, for rape and incest. It's a debate that really has divided Republican lawmakers as well. You're right, Dan. I mean, what you're seeing here is a fractious uh, Republican caucus that may not be able to get an abortion bill done uh, by the end of special session. They've had 50 years uh, of, of movement to decide how this is going to play out in Indiana. And they're really uh, the, the, the case of the dog catching the car and not knowing what to do here um, as they debate very difficult issues and, and heated issues of social policy. All right, now to Abdul Hakim Shabazz from IndiePolitics.org. Abdul at the center of that fight Thursday. State Senator Michael Young, who, who also told Republicans that, that he wouldn't caucus with them any longer on this. What are lawmakers saying about his maneuvers behind the scenes this week? Uh, they're being uh, basically tight-lipped because usually lawmakers don't like to talk about uh, what happens uh, in caucus. However, uh, once again, Mike's leaving the, leaving, the, leaving the caucus does show Republicans are split on this issue. The fact that it came out of committee it did come out of committee 18 to 18 when it was offered up for an amendment shows just how deeply divided uh, the Republican caucus is. Finally here, let's turn to Greg Weaver from our partners at the Indianapolis Business Journal. And Greg, we're looking forward to that partnership officially getting underway this coming week. We're also talking about the inflation bill here, certainly taking a, a back seat this week to, to this controversy over the abortion bill. Of course, inflation was the reason the governor called this special session in the first place. Right. Yeah. Very little attention has been paid to the uh, inflation relief packages being considered by both the House and the Senate, uh, which have, uh, you know, very opposing views on, on how to deal with that. And so there will have to be some sort of compromise on that issue in order for some sort of inflation relief to be passed. Uh, you know, the House uh, has backed the governor's uh, idea of providing uh, a direct tax refund uh, to Hoosiers, and while the Senate uh, 
has proposed a myriad of, of options, uh, none of them providing direct tax relief uh, in terms of a check uh, to Hoosiers. Yeah. The House passing that bill, uh, it now moves on to the Senate. Uh, but back uh, to, to some of these polling numbers we were talking about uh, on the issue of, of abortion in this poll from ARW Strategies, which you reported on this week, Abdul, uh, with your polling partner there, IndiePolitics.org, partnered with ARW Strategies on this. The key question here, should abortion be legal in all or most cases? 54% of Hoosiers thought abortion should be legal in all or most cases, while just 40% said it should be illegal in most or all cases. How, how cognizant are state lawmakers uh, of, of these polling numbers, Abdul, as this debate plays out? I think they are paying attention to the polling data because, uh, like I said, you got to remember also, uh, House and Republicans also polled this issue long before we did to kind of gauge sort of where where the public is. And the fact that once again it's so divided, you know, 54, 54, 40. And if you uh, but if you break it down by by demographics, Democrats favor 91 percent legal in most cases, but Republicans are like 60 uh, percent illegal in most cases. So not only do you have the general public to deal with, but also the base as well. Laura, how will these poll numbers inform this debate as it continues to play out? Well, they absolutely should be informative because they illustrate uh, certainly the divisions, but also the opinions of Hoosiers. And ideally, that's what our legislatures should do is they should be representing those ideas as well. And I always caveat when we look at uh, polling numbers, people who survey may or may not be voters. They may not be actively engaged in politics. They may not be writing to their legislators, but they certainly should be involved. And we'd want our legislators paying attention and being responsive to these. Adam, what's your take on those numbers and also the reality of the legislation that we've been seeing advance here at the state house? Yeah, Dan. I mean, I am um, I'm increasingly skeptical that we're going to see a product, a legislative product on abortion past the finish line in this special session. Uh, it'll be fascinating to watch play out. Certainly, uh, Republicans are far more at odds with each other than than what Democrats are. And you saw earlier this week, Democrats actually make a substantive difference in the House, uh, in the Senate, rather, um, on debate by beating back some of these amendments. And Greg, that, that same poll showed that inflation was the issue uh, most Hoosiers wanted lawmakers to focus on, while 56% of them did support the governor's plan in that poll to provide an additional $225 to taxpayers. What do you make of those numbers? Well, I think it shows that there will continue to be uh, intense pressure on uh, the legislature to provide some sort of direct tax relief. And so I think by the time all is said and done, that there will be a compromise that provides both a direct tax refund and then also accomplishes some of the things that the Senate wants to accomplish in terms of uh, relieving the state's obligations to the teacher's retirement fund. That inflation bill uh, passed in the House now going on to the Senate while bills passed in the Senate now move on to the House next week. All right, coming up, are we in a recession or are we, in, are we not? The GDP numbers say we are, but we're getting different answers from different sides of the aisle on that question. We'll have the latest straight ahead. This week, the U.S. economy shrank from April through June for a second straight quarter, a total of 0.9 percent. That's raising more fears that the nation may be approaching a recession, traditionally defined by two straight quarters in the red. But White House economic officials say other factors like the job market suggest to them that we're not actually in a recession. What you get a sense of is an economy that's moving from an unsustainably fast pace 
to one that is um, a steadier and, and slower uh, pace of growth. Now, in a statement, Senator Mike Braun said Hoosiers didn't need a GDP report to know that they're paying the price for Joe Biden's reckless spending agenda and D.C.'s incompetence, in his words. Also this week, Congress uh, passed a bill aimed at improving the production of semiconductors on U.S. soil, a bill that Senator Todd Young was heavily involved in. It's called the CHIPS Act. It provides $28 billion in funding for production, research, and development of computer chip productions. One direct impact will be on consumers, since these microchips are used to produce personal computers, cell phones, and automobiles. Senator Young also sees this as a defense bill, in a way, since semiconductors are used in weapons systems. He says his team has spent years building support for this legislation. I'm just so proud of, of, of everyone who, uh, together, uh, set aside principal disagreements uh, and, and uh, found some area for common ground during what are otherwise tribalistic politics. Uh, hopefully in the course of getting this meaningful legislation passed, we can, uh, we can reassure people that Congress uh, and specifically the U.S. Senate can do hard things uh, even during uh, difficult times. This was an overnight success story, you know, five years in the making. And it's been a busy week in Congress with some other legislation, perhaps also nearing the finish line soon. Talking about reconciliation, Bill, we'll be back with this week's winners and losers coming up next. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Laura, I'll start with you. I only have winners this week, but it's a big group. It's the Indianapolis City County Council and anyone with hearing challenges or language barriers, they're going to be adding a closed captioning. This makes government more accountable and certainly more transparent and understandable for folks. Greg. I would say uh, Senator Todd Young for his involvement in the passage of uh, the CHIPS Act, but also the Senate Democrats for having uh, some relevance this week in the abortion debate after years in the wilderness. Abdul. Uh, Destiny Scott Wells, 100 days before the election, she's ahead in the polls. I'll, I'll be up by uh, three points and some change. And also, uh, Diego Morales, he's got some, he's uh, my loser of the week. He's got some, she, she's really got a lot of work to do to get his base in line uh, for the election in 100 days from now. Adam. Yeah, winner, uh, Senator Todd Young, for the reasons Greg mentioned. Uh, loser, uh, Tom McDermott, uh, Young's opponent in the Senate race. He's really sort of been absent from the campaign trail and isn't gaining much traction with voters. Okay, we'll have much more coverage of the special session and the abortion debate as it plays out. We'll see you again next week.